0: That's the heart of what I want to say this morning. It's that God cares about how we relate to other people. He cares about how we love them cares about how we relate to them. And this morning, I had the honor of bringing to a close the series that we've been in for the last while called Behind the Curtain. And the heart of this series has been that God cares about our private lives. He cares about the things that happen behind the curtain that no one else gets to see. And as we have journeyed together in the series, we have looked at what our purity looks like before God. Are we living the way God has called us to live? We have looked at our integrity behind the curtain and said, are we the same person inside that everyone else gets to see outside? We have looked at the soul rhythms that we have put in place in our life that sustain our relationship to God that no one else gets to see. But are they there so that our relationship with God is growing? And last week, Roland took us into the devotion that we have for God, the allegiance that we have to Him. And so where no one else can see, is the center of your heart located in loving and following and being devoted and allegiant to Jesus? And today I get to finish with the question of how are the relationships that you have with other people? Because God cares about those relationships. God cares what kind of person your friends or your family or your colleagues Think you are God cares how they feel about you And so I need to ask you The question just as I asked myself the question This morning Are you the kind of person that's attractive To other people And I, and I don't mean you know that You you look great You know God doesn't care If you're super attractive you know like I am <laughs> I'm just kidding right I think it's God's grace that my wife finds me That way hopefully <laughs> God doesn't care how we look. He doesn't doesn't care whether you're extroverted or introverted. Even it was said about Jesus, there was nothing beautiful or majestic in his appearance, nothing that would attract us to him. But God cares about how you make people feel. He cares about how people feel when they're around you. Do people come to you because they love being in your presence? Or do they walk on eggshells Around you because they're never sure what's going to set you off or trigger you in a moment or a situation. This morning we're going to explore that a little bit together. And it's, it's really my prayer as we do that, that the Holy Spirit will draw us into this place of self-realization. That he will do as David prays in the Psalms and show us if there is any unrighteous way within us and that he would then lead us in the way everlasting. Because I realize there are some of you who might be sitting here a little bit like me this morning and you know there is space in your life that God needs to work in, places that God needs to redeem and, and become, where you need to become more like Jesus. But you might be sitting here this morning, and you might think that you're a reasonably lack of person, and that is what we're aiming for. But that opinion may or may not be shared by your friends and your family and your colleagues. And that's a really unfortunate space when you sit in a place where you think you're doing great, and everyone else around you is going, shh. Now, I have a bit of a problem. This is Brad's confession time. I love sitcoms more than I probably should, right? I find sitcoms really enjoyable. And uh, so I, as I was pondering this message and preparing this message, I was reminded of an episode from one of my favorite sitcoms, The Big Bang Theory. Anyone watch Big Bang Theory? Right, a few of you? Right. So I've clipped a little section to share with you this morning. And uh, just to give you a bit of background, if you haven't ever seen the Big Bang Theory, the story centers around four young scientists, one of whom is very gifted at science, not very gifted with people, right? And in this particular clip, the university where he works has just employed a new young genius, and that young genius is beginning to eclipse him, and he's beginning to feel like his job prospects are diminishing and disappearing. So, Craig, why don't you show us the clip?
1: Hey, I've decided you're right. My career is not over. Great. But since the arrival of Dennis Kim has rendered my research pointless, I just have to find something else to focus on. Great. So I've decided I'm going to collaborate with you. Great. So what exactly is it you do? I know you chatter on about it all the time, but I've never really paid attention.
0: Okay, well, right now I'm designing an experiment to study the soft component of cosmic radiation at sea level, but I really don't need any help.
1: Oh, sure you do. Now, see, what's this here in the schematic? Is that a laser array? Yes. No, hmm. What happens if you use argon lasers instead of helium neon? It would blow up. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Pretty sure is not very scientific. Is this how you normally work, just hunches and guesses and stuff?
0: (laughs) Okay. Sheldon, I understand that you're going through a bit of a career crisis. You're searching for some other area where you can feel valuable and productive, but I need to tell you something, and I want you to listen carefully.
1: All right. Go away. (laughs) If you're concerned about sharing credit with me, your name can go first. I'm going. (laughs) So, this is engineering, huh? I'll talk to you later. Engineering, where the noble, semi-skilled laborers execute the vision of those who think and dream. Hello, Oompa Loompas of science. Sheldon, what are you doing here? I just came by to say hello. I've been in this lab for three years. You've never come by to say hello. Well, up until now, I've had better things to do. So, what are we making today? A small payload support structure for a European science experimental package that's going up on the next space shuttle. Really? How does it work? When this is done, it will be attached to the payload bay and the sensor apparatus will rest on it. Uh huh. So it's a shelf. No, you don't understand. During acceleration, it needs to stay perfectly level and provide... Yeah, okay, it's a shelf. I notice you're using titanium. Did you give any consideration to carbon nanotubes? They're lighter, cheaper, and have twice the tensile strength. Sheldon, there's a diploma in my office that says I have a master's in engineering. And you also have a note from your mother that says I love you, Bubula. (laughs) But neither of those is a cogent argument for titanium over nanotubes. Sheldon? Yes. Go away. Did Leonard tell you to say that? No, I thought of it all by myself. Huh. Can't be a coincidence. There must be some causal link I'm missing. Go away. Go away. And curious, sir. Oh, good, you're all here. Look, I've decided that if the three of you drop whatever it is you're working on and join me, we could lick Cold Fusion in less than a decade, 12 years tops. Go away?
0: Hmm.
1: Could it be me? I really don't understand your objections, Professor Goldfarb. Why wouldn't the Sonora Desert make a perfectly good promised land? Go away. We could call it Nuevo Jerusalem. Please go away, said Pharaoh to Moses. You're a Jew If there was another wailing wall Exactly like the one in Jerusalem But close to taco stands And cheap prescription drugs Would you still be able to wail at it? Okay, it's definitely me
0: Right. I hope you enjoyed The little comedic segue One of the things that happens In that clip is that Sheldon goes on this journey of discovery From thinking everyone loves Him to realizing there's something about Him that is driving people away from Him. And maybe it's just Him. And what I want to do from that is I want to do two things. One, I want to lever it into a moment for us to pray. But secondly, I want to just offer something. If you begin to notice in the collection of relationships around you that more of them are broken than are good and wholesome it might be worth considering that there's a causal link that you're missing. And there might be something that's damaged and broken here that is working itself out there. And so as we begin this morning, I want to take a moment and and I want to pray and I want to ask Holy Spirit that you would be so present with us this morning that as we consider your word together, that if there is stuff that we haven't yet seen in us that is causing damage to the relationships that we have with others around us. God, we want to pray that you would cause your glorious light to shine on those things. And in the kindness that leads us to repentance, God, we pray that you would bring those things into the light that we could see them, and we could turn away from them, and we would be able to receive the healing that comes from Christ. Because your desire for us is that we would be the kind of people that bring people together and build community rather than break it. And so we just invite the work of your Spirit to be present with us this morning. If there are things we need to see, we ask, Lord, that you would show us them. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so now we're going to go to Scripture because it's very important that Brad doesn't preach from a sitcom, but that instead we consider the Scripture together. So... I want to share with you, by way of introduction, just a single line that comes out of Paul's letter to the Roman church. And he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. That is a charge that Paul gives to the Roman church, and it's the same charge that each of us carries today. We have a call to, as far as it depends on us, to be at peace with all people. And as we consider that call together this morning, we're going to root ourselves in a passage in Colossians from Colossians chapter 3, where God, I believe, speaks quite helpfully into this and quite beautifully. So let's read together from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. Paul writes and he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, of, in the image of its creator. There, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive. As the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues, put on love that binds them together in perfect unity. The Lord bless the reading of his word to us this morning. I want to begin by just picking up the metaphor that Paul uses in this section. And it's the metaphor of putting on and taking off clothes, which I'm not going to demonstrate for you here on stage because that wouldn't be appropriate. But the things that we do, Paul says, are like two different types of outfits. There is an old outfit which we wore in our life before Christ, where we would do any number of ungodly things. But there is now a new outfit which we are to wear in our new life with Christ, which is to be characterized by a wholly different practice. Paul does something that I think is quite quite cool, but it honestly is something that's very typical of Paul. And he starts in verse 9. He says, but guys, I want you to know this is something that you have already done. If you have been saved, you have taken off your old self and its practices. This is something that happened in the past. In that moment of salvation, you set aside characteristics and attitudes that were a part of your old way of life. You chose to disengage from certain things, certain ways of responding and reacting. And now you are following Jesus, and he says he calls us to now actively put on new clothes, to clothe yourself, to keep putting on this new way of life. And these dual actions are the heartbeats of this section of Scripture. When you came to Jesus, if you have been saved, you chose to remove yourself from the way you used to do things, from the attitudes that used to be normative for you. Because they are no longer compatible with this new life that you have been given in Christ. Because when you came to Jesus, he took you out of a place of darkness. And he separated you and set you apart and put you into a new kingdom to be a new person. So that you would be a new creation. And so, as you follow Christ, make sure that you put on the right clothes. I could have used that as the title for the sermon, right? Make sure you are wearing the right clothes. Do not carry on in things that you used to do that used to be appropriate in your former way of life. Instead, we are called to choose daily, just like you choose what you're going to wear each day. As you put those clothes on, Paul says, I want you to choose to clothe yourself in the ways of God's kingdom, in the attitudes and practices that flow out of our new life in Jesus. This isn't something that is always natural or easy for us to do. I remember a time when I was playing games with some friends, and there was one friend in our group who was a little bit more my friend than everyone else's friend, but he was a part of the group, and he came, and he he said something that was, you know, he thought it was funny. Someone else found it deeply offensive, but it wasn't a very offensive thing. That person was walking a little bit on eggshells, and he was so upset by this comment that he Instantly left the group, walked away, and I got a long phone call later. Brad, you need to speak to this person. You need to intervene. This is absolutely unacceptable. Like, you need to bring this person into line. Otherwise, I'm out and I'm done. I thought it was quite a strong reaction. I said to him, you know, mate, in this space, because that was a non-Christian guy who had come into our space, you're the Christian in this conversation. The call is actually on you to make peace with someone. Do not expect someone who doesn't follow Jesus to carry those attitudes and virtues. But actually, there was a call for you. And he found that very, very difficult to accept. In fact, he wasn't willing to accept it. That's the call we have. We have to be those who rise above what happens in those moments. And I want to take a moment for us to explore these different attitudes and these different practices that Paul speaks about here in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to stay in verses 8 and 9 at this moment. And Paul says these are things that are no longer meant to characterize us in our Christian life. They are things he calls us to rid ourselves of them, and they are things he says we need to put to death. Right, now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another. These are the things that are no longer supposed to characterize our life in Christ. And we're going to go through them one by one. And uh, for those of you who like digging a little deeper, we're going to do the Greek. If you don't like the Greek, you can just read the English part underneath. Right? But just for those of you who are like me, you like to see where things come from. First word is anger, which is the Greek word orge, which means to team. It's a swelling up to constitutionally oppose something. And it denotes What what happens when a fruit begins to ripen? And as the fruit begins to grow on the tree, it begins to get bigger and bigger because the stuff inside grows and the fruit swells to that point where almost if you had to cut it, it feels like it would burst open. That's the kind of anger that Paul is talking about here. It's not a sudden outburst of anger, but rather it's the simmering. It's the seething, growing anger that grows stronger over time. So you need to watch out. That's something we need to remove from our life. Rage, Greek word thumos, is the outburst of passion. It's passion-driven behavior, which can actually sometimes be a positive thing. But there are actions that emerge out of strong impulses and intense emotions. It's what happens when that fruit that has been swelling and growing is eventually punctured and it bursts out. It's the overflow in a moment of anger that has been simmering and swelling. Remove rage. Malice. Kakia. Properly, the underlying principle of evil. It's inherent evil which is present, even if it's not outwardly expressed. And it's about the desire to harm someone else. Sometimes that's harm through indifference because I don't care about you and I only care about me. And whatever is going to happen to me, well, it, it might hurt you, and, but that doesn't matter to me. Or it's like I actively want to go and cause harm to someone because of something perhaps that they've done to me. Slander. In the Greek, the word is blasphema, which is where we get the word blasphemy from. This word switches what is right for what is wrong and what is wrong for what is right. It's about making and spreading scandalous claims about someone else with the intention of damaging their reputation. It's reporting something that didn't actually happen as though it did or something that did actually happen as though it didn't. It's going behind someone's back and spreading news that's untrue because... You want to injure someone's reputation. Filthy language. As chronologia. Sorry. It gets a little bit interesting as we try and do the Greek. But this literally means vile or filthy language. It means language that is about debased things. Things that you, that are inappropriate. Things, sexual things that you shouldn't be discussing blatantly and flippantly. Filthy language. Lies. Pseudomai. To deceive, to speak falsely, to willfully misrepresent, or to mislead. These are all things Paul says you need to get rid of in your life. You need to put them to death. And I want you to notice something about them. Do you notice how all of these words, all of these character descriptions, they relate to other people? When we speak about anger, we're not talking about being angry at yourself, not talking about a righteous anger at something that someone has done against the Lord. It's anger that is directed towards others and that seethes and sits and stews. Rage is that anger as it expresses itself in a moment when you the last straw lands on your back and you just break forth because you can't contain that anger anymore. Malice is the desire to injure someone. Slander is the desire to injure someone's reputation. Filthy language is used when you're sharing a story with someone that you shouldn't be. Or saying something to someone that you shouldn't be saying. In a way you shouldn't be saying it. Lying is about the misleading of others. See, these attitudes and these actions are characteristic of an ungodly life. And what they do is they damage and they destroy relationships. And the reason they do that is because they're all inherently selfish. They all focus first and foremost on me. My right to be angry. My freedom to passionately express my anger, irrespective of what that might mean for someone else. My desire to elevate myself at the expense of others. My freedom of expression, irrespective of appropriateness or godliness. My preferential version of events that may or may not be true. These fruits of the flesh... They belong to the flesh. They belong to our old nature because they are about serving the self. Because they are about elevating ourselves, irrespective of what that might mean for others. They don't consider others first. They're all about me. Which is why at the center of this little passage, we have what might seem to some to be the seemingly random little section on racial parity. Do you remember it? Verse 11, let's go back. I'm going to have to scroll to find it for you. Verse 11 says this Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. See, that passage is there for a reason because Paul wants us to recognize that in Christ we are now one people. We are now a we in the Lord. We are not a collection of individuals who are kept separate by our origins. But rather we are now one people and we are bound together in one new life in Christ. And because we are a people, together, attitudes and practices that elevate one person at the expense of others cannot be allowed in the kingdom because they destroy community and they damage relationships. And so Paul says we need to put them off and put them to death. So how do we do that? We do that, Paul says, by choosing to put on the opposite. To choosing to put on the new clothes that God has given us. And so he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. See, friends, we are God's special people. He has chosen us, called us out of darkness. He has set us apart in his kingdom, and he has now poured out his love on us. And as a response to him and the wonderful work that he has done in our lives, he has called us to put on a new way of living. calls us to put on compassion, which is the Greek word oiktermos. Compassion is that deep feeling about someone else's difficulty or misfortune. Most of us know what this feels like if you take a deeply personal moment let 's say your your spouse, your parents, your brother or sister gets diagnosed with cancer. And the moment that you hear that news, how do you feel? Your heart drops, your heart hurts, it pains it feels that grief deeply and personally that 's what what means to have compassion and the call for us is not just to have compassion on the people that are closest to us, but as a community to be compassionate with one another. To feel your loss as though it's my loss. To feel your pain as though it's my pain. Kindness. Which is the spirit-produced goodness that actually meets someone's need. It's not just generally being nice, but it's about reaching out into someone's situation and doing something that's a blessing to them that meets a need that they currently have. And it's a way of doing that that avoids harshness and cruelty. Because harshness and cruelty usually are about me first rather than you. Humility. Give me grace as I try and say the Greek here. Tapi nos rosune. right? This is an inside-out virtue that is produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. This humility brings our behavior into alignment with this inner revelation to keep us from being self-exalting, self-determining, self-inflated. It's about comparing ourselves to God rather than to other people. It's about constantly looking and seeing how great God is and how far short of Him I fall. And so how deeply in need of His love and grace I am. And the more I realize that about me, the less I think I'm amazing. And the more I realize that any good thing that I have is the grace of God that He's given to me. Gentleness. Priorities. It's the quality of not being impressed by a sense of your own self-importance. Quite an interesting definition there. Not what we would have thought, what I would have thought as I looked at that word. But this, this is the idea that's so modeled beautifully in Jesus. Jesus, who is the king of heaven. Jesus, who has always existed. Jesus, who spoke and it came into being. He comes to earth and he says to him, Come to me, those of you who are weary and heavy laden. And what? I will give you rest because I'm gentle. And humble in heart. I'm not so concerned about my own greatness that I'm above you and I don't worry about you. Actually, I've come to serve. I've come to love. That's gentleness. Patience. I really like this one. It was really interesting. Makrothumia, which properly means long passion. In other words, waiting a sufficient amount of time before expressing anger. William Barclay described it like this. He said, we have an adjective in English that is called short-tempered. Imagine we had an adjective that was the opposite of short-tempered, long-tempered. Right? That's what makruthia means. It's the quality of being able to endure someone's frustration for a prolonged period of time before expressing your anger. It's the opposite of being short-tempered. It's the opposite of being able to be triggered in each and every moment. We're called to bear with one another. To put up with, to endure, essentially to suffer the frustrations and the idiosyncrasies of someone. You know when someone just does things in a way that just grates on your nerves and frustrates you? To bear with them means to just endure that because you know it's not that significant. Because you know that brotherhood and like brother and sisterhood together in the Lord is more important than the fact that, you know, when Kristen does this, it frustrates my bacon. That that doesn't matter. It's about what we're doing together. And then forgive. the Literally where we get the word grace from. It means favour that cancels. This is freely done. It's grace. It's given freely. Not because someone has earned it. There's no merit on the part of the person receiving forgiveness. It's the grace that God has extended to us freely as we are undeserving. So we are called to extend the same grace to others as they offend us and cancel the debt that they owe us. See, just as you saw in the previous list, can you see how all of these are virtues that are centered on other people? to be compassionate to others, to be kind to others, to not think of yourself as better than others, to patiently endure the faults of others, to forgive others when they fall short. Friends, this is our call. This is our call as Christians in Christ Jesus. This is what I mean when I say, lack of this, you know? this is what it means to be lacker. And it's perfectly summed up in Paul's final sentence. Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Love is the one word that sums up all of these virtues. It's the center of what makes good relationships. Last week, Roland. us, And he told us that the deepest call, the most important commandment was to love Jesus, to be allegiant and devoted to Jesus above all else. To hold him at the very center of who you are and hold him at the center of your affections. Jesus said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the call that we carry. And this call, this action, this choice to love other people, it's a call to deep selflessness. And God, help me because I need his help. Because our selfishness is deep within us. It's this call to consider others as better than us. To consider them before ourselves. To place someone else's needs before your needs. And it's not easy. It's something, as Johnny reminds us earlier, it's something we can only do by the grace of the Spirit as He works it out in us. Because our selfishness is deep. But I thank the Lord that it is His Spirit who is in us, and it is His Spirit who is at work in us. Which is why Paul calls this the fruit of the Spirit. All right, this is a parallel passage to our more famous one in Galatians chapter 5. This is not something we can generate, but it is something that we need to put on. And it's something we do that by increasingly choosing to yield our life over to Jesus. We, to, we do that by choosing to increasingly love Jesus more than ourselves, than our family, than the people around us, by giving ourselves first and foremost to Jesus and loving him deeply as we pursue him, as we yield ourselves to him, as we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done so God begins to produce those fruit in us. And our lives become more and more yielded to Christ. And His Spirit begins to produce fruit in greater and greater degrees of abundance in our life. So I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys would come join me on the stage, we're going to wrap this up. And I'm going to invite those of you who would like to join me in asking God to increasingly yield our selfish hearts over to Him. Because I know how much work the Lord needs to do in my heart. My wife knows too. (laughs) So that my love and our love for others would abound in greater and greater degrees. That God's Spirit would increasingly develop His fruits in our lives. So we really would be the lacquer Christians that God desires us to be. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you want me to be praying with, if you want to be praying with me to do that. But you'll remember the song we started with this morning, the song called The Jesus Way. And I asked the team if they would do that song for us because that song is a its a choice. It's a It's a declaration that says, Lord, I'm going to choose to put on the new way. I'm going to choose to step away from, to disengage, to distance myself from the way I used to think and the way I used to act. And I want to put on the Jesus Way. And so after we have prayed, we're going to sing that together as a closing declaration of our commitment to follow Jesus in being the church that he has called us to. Remember those words, if you curse me, I will bless you. If you hurt me, I will forgive. If you hate me, then I will love you. I choose the Jesus way. If you are helpless, I'll defend you. If you are burdened, I'll share the weight. If you are hopeless, then let me show you that there is hope in the Jesus way. For those of you who would like, won't you stand with me as we yield ourselves over to the Lord. Lord, we come to you this morning. And God, we recognize that we deeply need the grace and the love of Christ in our life to change us and to transform us. Lord, we want to thank you that you have taken us already out of the kingdom of darkness. There was a moment where you came and redeemed the wretches that we were. And you made us new creations in the kingdom of God. We are so grateful for your loving kindness that you have ministered to us in that moment. We are so thank you that you forgave us even though we deserved nothing. And Lord, we want to pray. As we continue to follow you. God, give us the grace to yield our hearts increasingly over to you that we would be less and less focused about ourselves, that our, our worlds would center less and less on what we want and what we desire and who we think we should be and more and more be given over to you for the good of your kingdom and those in whose lives you are working. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that are attractive to others. We want to be the lacquer Christians that you have called us to be. And so we choose this morning, we choose the Jesus way. We choose to take off the old self and to put on the new. Now we would be those who build beautiful community as we follow you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.